today on CityCast DC. Okay, I'll admit, this episode is for selfish reasons. I have a daughter, and she is obsessed right now with basketball. And who better for her to watch than DC's own Washington Mystics? But I think that being a fan is kind of a skill. You got to do it right. So I asked Just Women's Sports Editor Kate Yanchulis how a true fan is supposed to root for the 2019 WNBA champs. It's Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm Michael Schaefer, and this is CityCast DC. Kate, tell us a little bit how you got into following the Mystics. Sure. So I went to the University of Maryland for undergrad, and they have a really good women's basketball team. And then a lot of the women's basketball players from that really good Maryland women's basketball team, like Christy Tolliver, ended up playing for the Mystics, and they've had a lot of Terps play for them over the years. So I kind of let my college fandom for the Terps grow into a Mystics fandom. I think after that, they were always fun, but they've gotten really fun in the last few years to follow as they've gotten some really cool players and really big names, like just known around the league. So just all of that together has really made the Mystics kind of a destination. All right. So tell me about going to a game. Where do they play? What's it like? So they play at Entertainment and Sports Arena, which is a dedicated arena for the Mystics. And uh, just the fact that they have somewhere that they get to play almost all their games. They'll play a couple games a year at Capital One Arena, but they really have made it their home court and their home atmosphere, which I just think makes it a really great place to go and see a game because you're not feeling like you're in this venue that's not built for them, which I think as someone who had been to games at Capital One Arena and now has gotten to see them play at Entertainment and Sports Arena, you can just really tell that the fans who are there and the atmosphere there is built for the Mystics. And this is like on the St. Elizabeth's campus? Yes, uh, it's been fun to see how they built up that arena and, and how that area even has embraced having that team there. They opened the arena in 2018, like at the very end of 2018, and then they were there for a couple of years. And then with the pandemic, it kind of took a hit in terms of them getting fans to that arena and building it up. But they've done a good job this year, and I'm hoping to get to some games this year out there and getting back into it. Who's there? Like, who are the fans? Give me some demographic shorthand. How big a crowd does it usually get? Yeah, so it's a little more than 4,000 seats in the arena. Mm -hmm. And I would say it can really depend on when you go to a game. I think there are the diehard Mystics fans that are, are going to try to get out to every game. Uh, I think they've done a good job and they've been continuing to try to good job doing outreach to the community that's local to St. Elizabeth's and like that specific area in Congress Heights and getting fans from that community. Uh, there's always, especially on weekends or like they'll do like day games, local like camps or basketball teams, like local girls basketball teams, local kids basketball teams who will go as sort of like a field trip to get to see these players that they aspire to be one day. And then, uh, yeah, that just in terms of a WNBA fan base, you're going to get uh, more women fans than men's fans. And so you're just seeing a really diverse group of people, too, just in terms of race, sexuality. Uh, it's really a welcoming atmosphere for everyone. Are there like 
little boys there at the game or just or just girls? There definitely are. And I've really enjoyed seeing like Bradley Beal, for example, for the Wizards is a huge supporter of the Mystics. And he is at the games all the time and he will bring his children, his sons to the game. And so I think that's just one example of somebody who's made it a point that this is something he wants to do. He wants his sons to go to these games and see these women's basketball players. And I think that's becoming more and more. I think number one, it's affordable. It's really not that much. I usually, I will say, I usually buy my tickets like, you know, the resale route, but it's not too bad. And then I think that one of the other things is like Wizards tickets are not that expensive expensive either, but you're seeing maybe a higher quality of basketball than you would see at a Wizards game lately. There you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah. um, wait, so, uh, and then like, how do I be a fan? Like, uh, how, 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 how do I do it? Is there, are there like particular chants that people chant or, or rituals of games that are uh, mystic specific? So I think you really see people rally around specific players. So I think that's something that's really cool with the mystics. And I think women's basketball in general, just that these players' personalities really shine through on the court and for fans. So wait, walk me through the cast of characters a little bit more. Elena Deladonna, which is like the coolest name in sports. They call her the unicorn, yes? <laughs> She's one of my favorite stories in sports. So she's from Delaware. She was the best high school basketball player in her year. And she was going to go to UConn and then ended up deciding that she didn't want to be there. She wanted to be closer to her family. She wasn't even sure she wanted to play basketball anymore. She ended up leaving, transferring to the University of Delaware. Then she finally ended up finding her way back to basketball, played basketball for the University of Delaware, led them to the NCAA tournament, um, didn't win any national championships. And then she ended up getting getting drafted by the Chicago Sky. She's won now two at WNBA MVP award, got traded to Washington. She wanted to be closer to her family who's still in Delaware. And she now lives in the DC area. She won an MVP with the Mystics. She won a championship with the Mystics. And I just love her whole story. Uh, Natasha Cloud is maybe the most vocal player on the team, which as a member of the sports media makes her one of my favorite people because she is just willing to tell it like it is on a lot of social issues, on WNBA issues. Uh, there was a lot of talk this year about the WNBA players and teams when they fly to their different games. They have to fly commercial. It's one of the rules of the league. The owners are not allowed to charter flights for players. So they specifically have to, like if you get on a flight from DC to Chicago, you might be sitting next to Natasha Cloud because that's how they have to fly to games. And these are, just to be clear, these, these are still very, very tall people. Right. Yeah. So, right. They, they're they allowed to fly Comfort Plus or like Economy Plus, but they are not allowed to like if they want to fly first class, they will have to pay for first class tickets. And there definitely are players who do that. You know, some of the really tall players in the league say they have to do that. And so Natasha Cloud ended up testing positive for COVID after some of these flights. And she was speaking out about the dangers, essentially, of having these players just constantly flying these commercial flights and still having the dangers of COVID in addition to kind of the discomfort that they would feel. And so anyway, she's just always opinionated. She's always willing to share her opinion and to like keep it real. And that's with the media, on social media, um, after the most recent mass shootings, really, she was, again, just a really strong voice across the entire WNBA. So she just makes it really easy to root for her. Um, all right. So that's who we're supposed to love. But of course, you know that part of being a fan is we got to hate the same people. Who are our rivals? The WNBA is so small. So I feel like there are sort of rivalries wherever you turn. The Mystics beat the Connecticut Sun 
in the WNBA Finals in 2019. The Sun are really good again this year. They're leading the East right now. And so I think both of those teams feel like they deserve to be the top dog in the Eastern Conference. And so that's going to be fun to watch them battle back and forth all year. The Seattle Storm beat the Mystics in the WNBA Finals in 2018. So I hate those guys. The year before the Mystics won, the Seattle Storm beat the Mystics in the finals. And the Seattle Storm are, again, a team that's kind of a perennial powerhouse. They're good every year. They have Sue Bird, who's a well-known name, and Lee Brianna Stewart, again, another well-known name. Uh, they've got a lot of star power as well. So even though it doesn't happen that often, I always like to have the idea of, like, the Washington team from the West Coast, the Seattle Storm, and the Washington team from here. I just feel like that there should be more rivalries. I, I Maybe I'm just trying to push that, but I think that's so fun. All right, so you've hit a little bit of history of the team. They won the championship in 2019. Can you give a, a, a thumbnail history for us? Sure. So the Mystics, the longtime joke of fans of the team was that if you would go to Capital One Arena, there was Mystics attendance banners. The Mystics would win like the WNBA average attendance for like years, they would have the highest average attendance in the WNBA, which is great. That's a great thing to have. But they would hang the banners and the rafters and everybody would make fun of them because they had never won a championship. They just had attendance championships, but not real championships. And so that was kind of the case for them for a long time. It was just people liked them. People liked going to their games. They had a fun atmosphere. They even had good players, but it was just they could never quite like put it all together. And so that's what's been really fun to see in like the last like five years. They've gotten these really good players. They've developed really good players. They've come into their own in terms of having the Elena Deladons and the Natasha Clouds, and they've been able to get it all to gel together. And so if you're getting on the bandwagon now, it's not a bad time. Oops. And they won this championship, but never had a parade. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that was another thing. They had their championship run in 2019 was at the very end of September, beginning of October, which if you were a DC sports fan and you remember the end of September and the beginning of October in 2019 was also when the Nationals were about to go on their World Series run. And I am a big Nationals fan as well. I just have the good luck to be a Mystics and a Nationals fan. So I ended up going to WNBA finals game in 2019, late September, early October. I got to follow the Mystics as they won their WMA championship. And then I got to keep going and follow the Nationals as they won their World Series. But because all these celebrations were happening around the same time, the Nationals got to have their championship and the Mystics were like, oh, the players had to scatter across the globe, essentially, like very quickly after they won because WNBA players, a lot of them play off-season overseas. And so they had to scatter across the globe after they won. And so as the Nationals were celebrating their championship, the Mystics fans were still sort of like, okay, but we want to celebrate too. We want to celebrate with our team, but we can't. Wait, so it was like, you win the national championship, you, you win the league, yay. And the next morning, you're like on a flight to Sverdlovsk or something to, to yeah, play for the Russians? Truly, it can be that fast. And even now, at the beginning of this season, for example, there were players that were coming back from overseas leagues and they would win the Australian League, the Spanish League, the French League. They'd get their trophies, they'd win the MVP, and then they'd turn around and fly back 
All right. If I go to a game, where should I sit? Is there like an agreed upon? Oh, I think any seat near the Mystics bench because the Mystics bench players, especially this year, they are still in the game in spirit by kind of like cheering on all their teammates and kind of egging the fans on. So I think the closer you can be to the Mystics bench, the better, because it's just going to be fun to watch not only what's going on on the court, but to see what's going on on the bench as these players are kind of talking to each other. Is there like a Spike Lee or Jack Nicholson of the Mystics? Someone who's always at ringside or courtside? I'm telling you, Bradley Beal is the biggest Mystics fan. He's great. He reacts to the plays. He he brings his family. He wants to be there. And he's so fun while he's there. And he really, you can tell he really, he's not just there because the, the Mystics and the Wizards are both owned by Monumental. It's not like, a, oh, isn't it nice that Monumental like told him to come over here? He really does have that passion for the team. So when he's at the games, that's that's fun to see. And I personally, the Mystics have a mascot named Pax the Panda. And I think one of the best DC sports, best and underrated DC sports mascots. I love Pax the Panda. Amazing. Um, all right. So I, w- I will not get to see Pax the Panda if I watch from home, but I also <laughs> have had a really hard time finding the games uh, streaming or on TV. How do I do that? So the WNBA has been really trying to expand its broadcast partnerships and so there's games on uh, ABC and ESPN. There's going to be games on Amazon Prime. Uh, so that being said, it can be a little complicated to find the games. I will say that the Mystics and Monumental, which owns the Mystics, try to make it easy. If you go to like the Mystics website and say, go to kind of like where the broadcast is, it will say like where it's streaming or where it's being broadcast to try to help you out. Um, it might be easier if there was just like, okay, there's one place we can go. I would say rely on Mystic social media, rely on the WNBA Twitter. They really do understand that that's something that people are trying to do and are struggling with. So they're trying to make it easier with kind of broadcast schedules and putting it out there. Um, I would say definitely just be aware that I think the one good thing about WNBA and women's sports in general is that they've really embraced streaming services and streaming life because they know that's where they can gain a lot of fans that may be from cord cutters or people who don't have the traditional broadcasts. So I'd say if you're ready to have either streaming on your smart TV or to stream games on an iPad or a laptop, you're going to be ready to go because there'll be games on Facebook. There'll be games on Twitter. Like literally you can watch on social media. So they're really trying to get those fans. And so I think, yes, you're going to have to maybe find them in a couple different areas. But if you're if you're willing to kind of just follow the right social media channels that will tell you where to go, you will uh, from there have an easier route to find them. Dig it. All right. So wait, where are we in the season? Just so I know. So we are nearing the halfway point. The season started in mid-May and then the season runs through mid-August, the regular season, and the playoffs will start after that. Excellent. All right. Well, listen, this was awesome. Thank you so much for telling us about how to be a Mystics fan. This was really cool. And maybe I'll see you at a game. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah, I've been meaning to to get to one all season. And now that the summer's upon us, I think it'll be a little easier for me to get out there. So I am very excited. Right on. And now for some quick news. We have stories for you related to the fact that it is Disability Pride Month. 
There's going to be an event at MLK Library tomorrow and Saturday all about smart homes, which sounds fancy, but it's really just about using tech to make everyday activities a little easier, especially for people with disabilities. The event's being hosted by the Center for Accessibility and the DC Assistive Technology Program. Check it out at the DC Public Library's website. We'll link it in our show notes. Meanwhile, Six Flags America in Bowie is now the first certified autism center theme park in the DC area. That means that there are trained staff, sensory guides, free noise-canceling earplugs available, and low sensory areas set up. Plus, this Saturday is the first sensory-sensitive day. So there will be limited music in the park and signs highlighting surprise sounds and experiences. And lastly, a political news update. Maryland's primary is over, but it may be a while before we get the full results, since they're only starting to count the many, many mail-in ballots today. But it looks like the Trump-backed candidate Dan Cox is set to win the Republican nomination for governor. So we'll see if that office stays red in November. Another one to watch. The Montgomery County executive race is a tight one and could really affect affordable housing in the area. Mark Elrich and David Blair are neck and neck right now. We'll keep you posted as the race gets clearer. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilvey. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. And our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. There is so much happening this weekend. Subscribe to our newsletter and be on top of it. And if you're enjoying our show, spread the love. Please rate us on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back next week with more news from around the city. Talk to you then.